0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This week on the Chicago Bears Review! After a huge upset win out on the West Coast this past Sunday, the Bears travel out to the East Coast for Monday Night Football to take on the 1-1 Jets looking to improve their record. Can the Bears keep the streak going, or will Sunday night's game just look like a fluke? All of this and so much more on the Week 3 Preview episode of The Chicago Bears Review! Have hardly had a chance to blink in this uh, young NFL season, and it's already week three, meaning that a quarter of the year is almost already gone. How depressing a thought is that? What's going on, everybody? D back, the week three preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review, and we have a good test in front of us uh, coming forth on Monday Night Football uh, in the New York Jets. Uh, They have a, a one and one record. They had a home victory. Week one against the New York, uh, excuse me, against the Oakland Raiders, and then they traveled out to Lambeau this past Sunday, jumped out to a huge lead on Green Bay, was up 20, 21 to three early in the second quarter, and um, unfortunately weren't weren't able to uh, to hang on. Uh, had a little controversy that that cost them the the chance to uh, tie the football game with uh, with a, a miscalled timeout or you know some controversy on on who who called it and, and why it was allowed to be called since it wasn't officially called by the head coach who's technically the only person allowed to call a timeout on the sidelines. But uh, uh, nonetheless, uh, Green Bay was able to come back and win that one 31-24. Uh, and we'll talk about some strengths and weaknesses of our upcoming opponent uh, in a few minutes on the in the preview segment. Um, but uh, before we get uh, to the show, we have some show business to take care of. Uh, first, um, for anyone who missed my post on our Facebook page, uh, if you just search Chicago Bears Review on Facebook, boom, the page will come right up. You can come ahead and, and join and be part of the uh, the group. That way you'll always receive the the updates and alerts on to uh, when the next episode and such will be up. Uh, I waited until today, Friday, to do the show because we have an extra day uh, this week. The Bears play on Monday night, so we got a little extra time not to mention the fact the bears did not practice on Tuesday or Wednesday they usually go back to practice on Wednesday they actually didn't go back to practice until yesterday on Thursday and I think they're actually practicing now uh, on Friday so um, you know just wanted to uh, you know when, when we look at who's practicing who isn't that kind of thing that's uh, what I wanted to wait for on Thursday to see who did practice who didn't what their status was going into the game uh, this Monday but um for anyone who did uh, miss the Facebook post, uh, it uh, went up yesterday, uh, saying that basically the, we're moving host sites. So right now, we're at uh, Podomatic.com. We're actually going to be moving over to Podbean.com, uh, and and one of the main reasons there is uh, is the. You know, with with these host sites, there's there's a monthly charge. Uh, to be, you know, just being being fully forthcoming with you guys, there's a monthly charge for you know to be on these host sites. Now it's not a lot of money at all. Actually, it's it's you know quite minuscule. However, what I w- what I'm paying for at Potomatic, there are limitations. There are restrictions on how much uh, content I can have on the site, and actually how much bandwidth i'm allowed aka how many people can listen to the show directly from the website now fortunately for me most of you guys download the show and listen to it at your discretion on your you know itunes or media players that kind of thing but anyone who listens to the show straight from the website that goes against the bandwidth that i'm allowed um for people to listen to my show and obviously i would have to pay more to have more people be allowed so um, with Podbean, there is unlimited. It's unlimited with how much I can put on the site. It's unlimited for how much bandwidth I'm allowed. So anyone who wants to listen to the show directly from the site would be able to do so without any penalty uh, going against me. Because I know anyone who's been, with the, who's been listening to the show for a while knows that that's actually been an issue uh, at some point where you would go in and try to listen and you wouldn't be able to because the bandwidth for the month had been used up because people were listening to the show directly uh, from the website. So uh, moving over to the site, not to mention the fact that it's about a third of what I'm paying uh, at Podbean for unlimited uh, unlimited storage, unlimited uh, bandwidth. It's just a better move for. So both both feeds are up right now. Uh, I've already been approved on iTunes for the Podbean feed to be on iTunes. If you were to search Chicago Bears Review on iTunes, two feeds are going to come up right now. So right now the Podomatic feed is still up, as is the Podbean It's up and running. All of 2014 show dating back to the offseason recap back in uh, late March, early April, right after we signed Jared Allen, I did a show uh, recapping all of our transactions and, and things like that up to that point. Uh, the draft preview show, the schedule release show, everything in the offseason, all the preseason episodes, all of that stuff is up on the Podbean site already. And if you were to search iTunes, you'd see all of that there uh, as well. So, uh, and, uh, so basically they would look identical, including my appearances on, on uh, WMT AM600 in, in Cedar Rapids with, uh, with Doug Wagner. Both of those appearances are up on the Podbean Feed right now, so you'd be able to hear my radio appearances on WMT and all of the uh, shows. Seventeen in all so far that we've done, uh, from the off-season recap back in March up through the uh, preview episode or review. Excuse me, review episode of the 49ers game would be 17 episodes. This would be number 18 that we've done in 2014. Everything is up on Podbean, so. You'd still be able to go back to anything that we've done so far this year. If you missed anything, to catch it all there. So the Podomatics site is going to stay up for this week and next week, and then I'm going to stop uploading uh, the Podomatic feed. And eventually, iTunes will take it down, um, and the Podbean will be the permanent home for the show uh, going forward. So spread the word. If you're not, uh, you know, if you if you haven't heard up to this point. Uh, that's what we're doing. We're moving over to podbean.com and the web address for the show will be a little bit different. It won't be chicago bears review at, you know, .podbean.com. It will be CBR, CBR as in Chicago Bears Review, cbrpodcast.podbean.com will be the new web address for the show. So that's uh, the little show business the announcement that I had to make. And uh, I'll reiterate it again for the next couple of uh, weeks uh, before the uh, before I stop uh, before I kill the Podomatic feed and stop updating it, and then iTunes will eventually take it down, leaving the Podbean site. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Uh, So um, all of my iTunes subscribers want to make sure that you switch your subscription from the um, Podomatic feed over to the Podbean feed. And the one major way that you'll be able to tell the difference is look at the release dates for the shows because I, really, I uploaded all the stuff on Podbean on, uh, like, Tuesday and Wednesday, so you'll see that the release dates are, like, the 16th and the 17th of September for shows that were created back in March and April and so on. So if you, if you look at the two feeds and you can't tell the difference because they're virtually identical, the main way to tell would be the release dates for the show. For Podomatic, you're going to see... That the show i did at the end of march was released back in march and the one the the scheduled release show in april and so on and so forth the Podbean feed will show that i uploaded like eight shows on the 16th of september and then the other eight were on the 17th of september so that's how you'll be able to tell the difference between the two because everything else will be identical the logos for the show the descriptions for each episode uh, and so on will all be identical just look at the release dates for each show and you'll be able to tell which feed is which so you know which one you need to uh, be subscribed to okay so now that we got that out of the way we got our show business out of the way we can go ahead and get started with the actual show now and we have a lot to talk about in our new segment we got talking uh, you know lots of stuff uh, to talk about with what's been going on with the bears some unfortunate injury updates and so on so let's go ahead and dive right in to our new segment Lots to cover this week in our news segment, and unfortunately, we are uh, kicking things off with some unfortunate news—almost heartbreaking if you really think about it. Um, the The worst uh, has been the worst that we feared on Peanut Tillman has come to realization. He did, in fact, rerupture that um, that tricep tendon in his uh, in his right arm. It's the same arm that cost him the second half of the season last year in 2013 and it may have just ended his career if not entirely uh it very well may have just ended his career in chicago and and that's a depressing thought for for quite frankly um the best defensive back that's ever worn a bear uniform uh he he's way up there uh if not number one with guys like Fensick and uh and and doug plank and you know those guys that uh that were roaming this roaming the field back in the day but um you know peanut tillman is going to be the first name that comes to mind if not the first or second uh when it comes to the conversation of who's the best db uh in bears history and um you know you could see it on the sidelines on sunday night they actually showed pictures uh they showed him crying on the sideline thinking that he probably knew then what he had uh what he had done unfortunately and uh it was confirmed on Monday. Uh, he's already been placed on the season-ending injured reserve list, so his season is officially over. Not like uh, Marquise Wilson, who's on injured reserve right now but has the designation to return. This is going to uh, require surgery. I don't know if uh, if it's scheduled or if they're waiting for the swelling to go down, that kind of thing, uh, before he goes under the knife. But he needed surgery last year. It's the same injury again, so we'll probably require surgery uh, once again uh, for Peanut. Uh, He is done as far as 2014 is concerned and very well may be done uh, entirely as far as the NFL uh, is concerned. Uh, Peanut Tillman at the press conference uh, on Monday when uh, they addressed the injury said that uh, this isn't the end for him. Um, So... Honestly, I hope that's true. You never want to see a warrior have to go out on a shield like that. But, um, you know, he's uh, he's one of those guys uh, that deserves to to go out on his own terms instead of having his career dictated to him at the end. Uh, kind of like, um, you know, like a Mike Brown almost whose whose injuries. uh you know, really put a stain on, on the end of his tenure here in Chicago, a guy who, if he had stayed healthy, would probably in be in this conversation as to who the best DB in Bears history was. Because Mike Brown, talk about a guy that was beloved in Chicago when he was healthy because he was, quite frankly, one of the best safeties in the league when he was healthy. And very much uh, Peanut Tillman uh, in that conversation for a long time was one of the most underrated defensive backs in the league. He was always kind of under the radar whenever that discussion was taking place uh, because he wasn't, uh, you know, Daryl Rivas or, uh, you know, uh, Namde Asamoah, you know, those other guys that were getting the the 10 and 12 million dollar contracts and things like that. But, uh, you know, and actually not even making his first Pro Bowl to like, 2011, 2012, you know, which is ridiculous when you think about it. Uh, A guy that's been a stalwart and, you know, a staple on our defenses for a decade and longer now. But, um, you know, he's uh, one of those guys that was under the radar for a long, long time, is finally getting the respect that he deserves, the notoriety that he deserves, and hasn't been able to stay healthy these last couple of years, so... um, I hope personally that it's not the end for him. Uh, If it is, I hope that, um, you know, I obviously just wish him the best because we're going to miss him, Uh, even though uh, we didn't necessarily miss him on Sunday night with uh, Kyle Fuller stepping up big time the way that he did. But, uh, you know, there, there, there always seems to be a difference between Somebody kind of stepping up and coming off the bench and having an outstanding performance, you know, not knowing up until that moment that they're being forced into full-time duty and uh, somebody who's had all week to think about the fact that they are the starter now, that they're going to be playing and and so on and so forth. You see it happen all the time with, like, backup quarterbacks and such. So-and-so comes off the bench after the starter goes down, and you know throws for three three touchdowns and 250 yards and helps rally the team to a victory then when the guys had the whole week knowing that he's the starter he's the man going into this thing all of a sudden he's uh you know not the guy that you saw the week before and so on we we, we fell victim to that with a guy like Caleb Haney uh you know being uh, almost winning uh, the NFC championship game back in 2010 and helping us ride off into the uh sunset on a somewhat positive note even though we were losing the last game of the year uh, against Green Bay to knowing that he was going to be the man for about a month if not longer at the end of the 2011 season and him being probably one of the big reasons why that uh, we went from seven and three to eight and eight in the last few weeks of the season not really you know just basically that that season was blown I mean uh, and especially for it to happen when it did, we were going into a four-game stretch against the AFC West, which at the time was probably the weakest division in football. We beat the Chargers to start that run and lost the other three against teams we should have beaten handily and probably could have if Jay was healthy. But uh, that's the kind of thing that we're talking about now that you know Kyle Fuller stepped up in full-time duty, had those two big interceptions. Uh, you know, it was actually uh, another thing I was going to announce here during our new segment was named NFC Defensive Player of the Week for his efforts against the 49ers on Sunday. So he's made headlines uh, with what he was able to do against the 49ers. Will he be able to perform consistently that way? Not can he get two interceptions a week, but can he be who we drafted him to be in the first round? He was going to be the heir apparent to Charles Tillman and he's being forced into that duty a lot sooner than we wanted him to, or at least a year or two ahead of where we wanted him to be uh, at this point. Will he be able to handle it going forward? He's been getting endorsements from guys like Brandon Marshall saying that his mentality, you'd think the guy's been in the league five or six years. Marshall's actually been going and doing uh, you know, like film study and practice to figure out how to beat the kid. That's how good he's been in practice, and it's been showing on the field in his short time uh, out there. Hopefully he can continue to build and grow as a player and be the guy we need him to be in full-time duty now that Peanut has to step aside because of the injury. So we will, uh, you know, have our fingers crossed hoping that Kyle Fuller uh, can be that guy and uh, Peanut Tillman, uh, you know, we won't be screaming for Peanut to come back because we need him to play. We want Peanut to come back because we want him to play and finish his career and be able to say, okay, this is my last year and walk off into the sunset week 17 as opposed to week two having an injury say this is the end and having an unfortunate, you know, Brian Urlacher-ish type finish uh, to his career. So, um, you know, it still sucks that Erlacher's that career ended uh, the way it did, basically being told that nobody else in the league thinks you can be who you were And uh, your own team doesn't want to give you a chance to try. So uh, that's kind of depressing. So hopefully it won't be that way uh, for Peanut and uh, he'll be able to get finished. And and if this is it, then, then, you know, maybe after the injury, after the rehab, he's like, you know what, I think I'm done and, um, you know, move on uh, from there. So uh, in other news, the Bears have made a ton of roster moves the last few days, uh, you know, in the last week. Uh, going into the game to make room for uh, you know the to to, to cover for the injuries that we had going in the game. No Matt Lawson, no Roberto Garza. Uh, you know, possibly preparing for the fact that we wouldn't have Marshall and Jeffrey uh, playing on Sunday. As a matter of fact, Josh Morgan uh, wasn't active on Sunday with a groin injury. So our, in fact, our top three receivers were in danger of not playing. Uh, on Sunday against the 49ers. Luckily, Marshall and Jeffrey did play. Morgan did not. Um, but um, before Sunday, the Bears cut Tony Fiametta, uh, Kelvin Hayden, and David Fales uh, to make room for uh, Josh Bellamy, Tyler Boggs, and Chris Williams. They were all promoted to the roster. Uh, Fails was re-signed to the practice squad. Tony Fiametta was re-signed to the roster. Uh, Isaiah Fry and Rashard Ross were elevated from the practice squad to the 53-man roster. So Isaiah Fry will now probably be one of the leading candidates to be our nickelback now that uh, Tillman is down and Kyle Fuller is being promoted to a full-time starter. And Rashard Ross is being promoted to the... um, Pre, uh, to the full-time roster i'm assuming to uh give competition for the kick return job because that's what he's made his name for uh so far uh in the uh league uh running back sean drawn and chris williams and matt mulligan tight end for the bears were all cut i think this was on tuesday and uh let's see roy roy Philon, the defensive tackle and chris williams Uh, We're signed to the practice squad along with cornerbacks Jordan Sullen. We signed from the Denver practice squad and tight end Blake Annan from the Philadelphia practice squad. And then finally, to uh, fill the final 53-man roster spot, the Bears uh, re-signed Demontre Hurst, who was let go after week one or right before week one of the two. Either way, he's back on the team now uh, to kind of help up with our deficiencies at defensive back. So, uh, so yeah, did you did you get all that? That's that's where we're at with the uh, with the roster. So, Demontre Hurst was added to the roster yesterday, giving us a full fifty three man roster after all of the roster moves. So it's like uh, Chris Williams was 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 let go in the final cuts, then signed to the practice squad then elevated to the 53-man roster, then cut again, then signed to the practice squad. So that's been Chris Williams' life for the last few weeks. I mean, that's, that's the thing that sucks when you're like the 51 or 51st or 52nd man on the roster is that you can be let go at any moment and you'll be brought right back the very next day. Kind of thing. So, but having Tony fiametta back, uh, he was injured with a hamstring week one. That's why he didn't play against the Bills and was let go prior to the San Francisco game uh, to make room on the roster uh, for uh, our deficiencies at wide receiver and and offensive line going into that game. Now that he's uh, now that he's back on the roster, maybe he can help uh, help out with the run game, which has been struggling. Something that we'll talk about in the preview segment here uh, in a few moments. Now, finally, in the uh, in our news segment here, it's been an interesting week for the Bears uh, off the field with the allegations against Brandon Marshall stemming back to his time with the Denver Broncos. Uh, famous uh, attorney Gloria Allred held a press conference uh, basically condemning the NFL for missing the... Uh, you know the domestic abuse uh or you know just now finally coming down on you know having some harsher penalties for something as serious as domestic abuse and uh you know using brandon marshall as an example of how this thing dates back to uh so on you know dates back to in this case 2006 with an old girlfriend of of marshall's who uh uh, alleged that uh, you know Marshall would be, you know beat her and all that kind of stuff. This was also before um, Brandon was was uh, diagnosed with uh, borderline personality, uh, the thing that he's worked so hard to try to get under control because it was it was de- it was bound to ruin his career if he didn't get it uh, under control. And, and as a matter of fact, it's it wasn't diagnosed until he was in Miami, actually his what fifth or sixth year. Uh, in the league and, and something that, uh, you know, he's been working on at the tail end of his tenure in Miami and obviously since he's been here in Chicago. Now, obviously, in Chicago, he's been a model citizen. He's been a leader. He's been uh, someone who also actually wants to be the face of this borderline personality disorder, this this mental uh, disorder. Uh, if you guys remember when he signed his contract extension on The View part of the announcement of him signing that extension was that he's going to be donating a million dollars to mental health awareness you know for conditions such as the one that he has and various others uh that you know people are afflicted with around the country and you know possibly around the around the world brandon Marshall's a different man now he absolutely is however brandon marshall held a press conference yesterday in hallis hall detailing the fact that um the allegations against him from this girlfriend the he, he admits there were altercations but that they were ones where he wasn't the abuser he was the one that was actually being attacked and having to you know restrain this particular girlfriend according to documents and such that he released uh where the girl was was giving like affidavits saying that you know brandon never beat her that she was more the aggressor in in uh in arguments like if things didn't go her way and things like that she would actually lash out at him uh and and so on so these domestic abuse allegations were incorrect and apparently Gloria Allred even a seasoned attorney as herself went to the press without having all of the facts and uh there was also an e60 piece that ran on Tuesday I didn't get a chance to see it but apparently uh, even though it was kind of, uh, you know, a typical E60 piece is, you know, you have, you know, destruction and despair, and then there's a happy ending to it. And that's very much how the the piece played out from what I understand. It talked about his, his domestic abuse, you know, past and all that kind of stuff, and then talking about how since he's been in Chicago, being the model citizen, wanting to be the face of, you know, mental health uh, in this country and and donating a million dollars when he signed his new contract extension uh, and so on uh, and everything Marshall was not uh, he's saying that he was misled uh, by ESPN saying that uh, you know they were talking about uh, uh, the, like the profile was supposed to be on like this year and training camp and getting ready for his ninth year in the league or you know whatever it's going to be for him. Uh, this year uh, and and so on and he was upset. He went on Twitter and had like a like a five tweet rant about how he was misled by ESPN and Lisa Salters, who was the reporter uh, for the uh, for the uh, piece and, uh, and and so on. And that was along with the other allegations against him were the main beef of the um, of the press conference he held yesterday at House Hall. So it's. Um, and, uh, but it's it's one of those things it's it's one of I think that Brandon just wanted to get it out there because there was a lot of misinformation uh, on the table uh, I can honestly say I, I don't think it's been much of a distraction uh, for the team because Brandon Marshall is happily married and I was just reading before I started uh, the show that, that he and his wife are expecting uh, right now so obviously he's probably the happiest he's ever been uh, the Bears are playing well. He's got a nice contract. He's his future is secure in Chicago. He's found a home, an NFL home, uh, for once. He's with his his favorite quarterback in in Jay Cutler. I mean, these guys are extremely close. I mean, when when they came out for the press conference on Sunday, Brandon Marshall walked up to Jay Cutler and kissed him on the head before they sat down and started answering questions about the Forty Nine er game. So Brandon Marshall is is an extremely happy guy. Probably upset that these old allegations are being, you know, dusted off and thrown out there just because other guys in the league are having these problems now, like Jonathan Dwyer, the running back for the Arizona Cardinals, decided he was going to headbutt, headbutt his girlfriend or wife, uh, and um, yeah. I don't, anyway, I'm so sick of this talking about the, uh, about the uh, the domestic. I just I don't understand it. Um, you know, I can understand being angry. Uh, I can understand even punching a hole in your wall but putting your hands on your woman or your kids uh is just uh unacceptable, so discipline is one thing beating is another, and Adrian Peterson beat his kids you're not if you if you have to spank them you're not supposed to leave marks if you are leaving marks, then you're beating your kids it's just all there is to it so um anyway uh dusting off that dark cloud, we got a game to play on Monday. Let's get into the preview segment now and talk about what the Bears are going to have to do on Monday night to make it two in a row heading into the Packer game. You know, one way to look at this game coming up against the Jets would, uh, would kind of be a, um, you know, a David versus Goliath, if you will. And not saying that the Jets are, are uh, you know, are a dominant team by any stretch or anything like that. However, we have been struggling to run the football this year. And dating back to last season, of course, we've been struggling to stop the run. And we just happen to be running into the perfect storm that is the New York Jets, who are the number one rushing team in the NFL and the number one rushing team on defense as well. They've only allowed 52.5 yards in the first two games, averaging, of course, averaging 52.5 yards in the first two games uh, of uh, of the season. And so far are averaging over 178 yards a game on the ground. So, I mean, I'm sure that uh, Geno Smith's scrambling abilities has something uh, to do with that as well. But the, um, the fact is... We struggled against the run. We struggled against E.J. Manuel. We struggled against Colin Kaepernick. Uh, We were able to be much more disciplined, therefore manage the run a lot better against San Francisco. Uh, Frank Gore did not have a career day uh, against us, as many expected that he might, you know, and San Francisco did not dominate us on the ground like people thought they might as well, since they are a run-first kind of team. Uh, The Jets, however... Are 29th in passing, which means that uh, they rely heavily on the run. And it's actually kind of how the game got away from them last week against the Packers was that uh, early on in the football game, uh, they had three straight drives where they, they had those touchdown drives to go up 21 to 3 on Green Bay, and they were heavy uh, on the run. I think almost a, a 2 to 1 ratio as far as run to pass on those three touchdown drives. Then, after that, when Aaron Rodgers and the Packers started to stage their comeback, the pass to the run to pass ratio reversed. And I think there were like maybe 30 plays in the first uh, quarter and a half on those three touchdown drives. It was like 20 to 10 run to pass. There were like 40 or so plays for the rest of the game on offense uh, in the second quarter, uh, maybe like the last half of the second quarter and into the end of the football game it was a, I think it was like 16 passes to almost 30, or excuse me, 16 runs to almost 30 passes uh, in the uh, in the remainder of the football game. So they started calling more passes than runs when they had that big lead uh, over Green Bay. So not uh, really understanding why it went the way that it did uh, against Green Bay, but I'm sure that that's a mistake that they would like not to duplicate uh, against the Bears on, on Monday night. So 179 yards a game the bears are averaging just about 160 uh, on the ground so far uh, this season they are currently ranked 30th in the league running the football only 66 yards you can imagine there's teams worse than 66 yards a game running the football and uh, with that 160 yards a game that we've allowed in the first two games uh, is good for 27th in the league so somehow there are five teams worse than us uh on uh, in run defense uh, so far however we have the ninth best pass attack in the nfl on offense and the 10th best pass defense in the league so the things that we're going to want to focus on uh, as far as offensively or what we can lean on uh, are both through the air because our pass rush which was much much better last week against san francisco with the four sacks on on kaepernick one of the more elusive quarterbacks uh, in the league and obviously, Jay Cutler with his four touchdown passes last week in the second half uh, uh, against the uh, 49ers really bodes well for what our passing uh, game, our passing attack, can be uh, against the uh, against the Jets. Uh, not to mention the Jets are somewhat uh, shorthanded uh, in the secondary, uh, or at the very least banged up uh, in the secondary. D. Milner. Uh, first round pick actually they've got a lot of first round picks they got Kyle Wilson who's also a first round pick in that secondary uh, and so on Uh, not only can they not physically match up but you know as far as size is concerned uh, with our receivers uh, both Jeffrey and Marshall while they did not practice yesterday on Thursday they played on Sunday Marshall played well Jeffrey you know was kind of as Chris Collinsworth mentioned over and over again laboring down the field over and over again uh, on Sunday night with another week of of treatment, another week of rest, uh, you know, and so on, uh, and an extra day to get ready, you'd have to think that they'll be better prepared, and uh, especially Alshon, he was was actually probably the guy who should not have played uh, on Sunday uh, with the way that he was, you know, you, you just, it just got annoying listening to Chris Collinsworth say it over and over again, but Alshon was, having trouble getting around on the field last week so it would be uh, would be better you know you'd have to think he'd be much better this week than he would be uh, would have been against San Francisco so i think he'll be the one that you really want to watch out for cuz he'll be looking to break out against the jets after a frustrating night uh, against the uh, the 49ers so like i said david versus goliath because you got number 1 uh, on both on both sides of the ball as far as the run game is concerned and we are low at the bottom uh of both um both again in both categories uh going into this game 30th running the football 27th defending uh the run so that's where the main focus begins uh the bears never got off the ground uh running the ball on sunday Uh, a lot of it had to do with the fact that we were down big early uh in the game you know 17 to nothing uh, at one point uh, before we went into halftime with that touchdown, uh, that was the game changer right there. Well, that got us back into the game, and it never really got away from us after that. The Forty ers had that really nice drive to start the second half uh, to put the field goal up, but we we got it after that with our, you know, three straight touchdown drives and the turnovers and so on. We really turned the tables uh, on San Francisco. Against the Jets, they are as Lovey Smith, you know so eloquently used to stay over and over again they get off the bus running the ball and even more so than the 49ers because the Jets do not have the weapons in the aerial game that the uh, 49ers do the 49ers had Vernon Davis they had uh, Brandon Lloyd they had Stevie Johnson they had Anquan Bolden and so on the Jets have Eric Decker and they have a receiver you've probably never heard of. His name is David David Nelson. And Decker's having hamstring issues. He hasn't practiced yet this week. So he may may or not, may not play against the Bears on Sunday. He probably will, but he'll still have that lingering hamstring issue, uh, you know, holding him back uh, on Sunday. And the Geno Smith is no Colin Kaepernick. He's not as good throwing the football, and I don't think he's as dangerous running the ball uh, either. Uh, The most dangerous quarterback they have on their roster is their backup, Mike Vick, who's played five plays in two games so far this year for the Jets. So it's not really um, a concern. Uh, Geno Smith, if Geno Smith beats us throwing the football, I'll eat this microphone. I swear to God I will. It's it's just not going to happen that way. Uh, Geno Smith will beat us on his feet before he beats us through the air he's not going to come out and have a 300 yard passing game three touchdowns no picks or anything like that he's somewhat prone to mistakes um maybe not so much as far as turnovers are concerned but making bad throws uh and so on so if we get after him uh in the passing game i think that will open things up for us as well if willie young jared allen um you know and uh lamar houston can get uh get off the edges and get after him uh, that'd be nice and also you know Jay Ratliff, Stephen Pia, uh, Will Sutton, Ego Ferguson in the middle clogging that up giving him no place to go uh, you know against these mobile quarterbacks it is very very important to stay in your lanes for the defensive ends to maintain that contain you know to, to, to maintain that pocket so that the quarterback has nowhere to go so that it collapses on top of him you saw it happen a couple of times last week where uh in his pass rushing uh that um uh, jared allen would kind of do a you know would set the edge and then kind of do a spin move to try to get back to the inside to try to finish off the uh runner and each time that would allow colin kaepernick to get to the outside and gain yardage on the ground we have to be more disciplined in the pass rushing uh, aspect to not allow something like that to happen because Geno Smith will make us pay for it. He's, uh, he's good enough on his feet that at the very least that will get him the first down and extend the drive to give them more chances to move the ball uh, down the field. So we have to be better with that to try to keep things, uh, as far as the defensive end is concerned, just keep trying to push the outside uh, you know, to kind of force Geno Smith to, if anything, try to run up the middle where there are more bodies, where there's more traffic, where there's a better chance for us to stop him. You get it out to the outside, and uh, it's anybody's game uh, at that point, and usually one that uh, most defenses will lose when you allow the quarterback to get to the outside uh, like that. the The running backs for the Jets: Chris Ivory, Chris Johnson. It's a solid one-two punch. Uh, they ran for I think like 190 something yards against the uh, against the the um, Oakland Raiders first week out. Uh, Chris Ivory uh, had the dagger as far as uh, the game uh, getting out of hand for the Raiders was uh, concerned. Had a big like 50-60 yard run in the fourth quarter that put them up. I think like 19 to seven. The Raiders added a touchdown to make it close, but. Uh, that's where the Jets kind of dominated the game on the ground. And early on, that's that's how the Jets were making their mark in the Packer game, was on the ground. Chris Johnson, Chris Ivory, kind of a, uh, you know, a lightning and thunder type deal. Uh, Chris Ivory is more of the between-the-tackles bruiser kind of guy. Uh, Chris Johnson is not necessarily an outside-the-tackles kind of guy, but he's that one. He's kind of um, not in the same mold as far as running style, but he's very much a gale sayers kind of guy where if you remember that famous nfl film where uh you know on gale sayers give me 18 inches of daylight that's all i need chris johnson is that kind of running back if you give him that 18 inches of daylight you will regret the, f- <laughs> you will regret it because he's got a 4 two forty, uh and he's got the horses to push it uh to get it down the football field uh and run it down so you know it's 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 cliche, we say it all the time, and you hear me on my broken record pretty much every week, we got to run the football, and we got to stop the run. In this case, it's probably more important that we stop the run than we actually run the football, uh, considering that we're also facing the number one run defense in the league. It would probably fall more on Jay this week as far as, you know, because we're not as good against the run, the Jets are probably not going to challenge us very much as far as eight guys in the box, uh, you know, forcing us to pass because it's actually the last thing that they want. They're going to want to try to sit back and load everything up in coverage. We'll probably see a lot of nickel from the Jets uh, on Monday night. You know, five defensive backs, maybe even six, and and let them try to amp up how they're going to come after us in the in pass in the pass rush. Are they going to send DBs, you know, send linebackers on delayed blitzes and and things like that to uh, to cause confusion? Because Jay doesn't necessarily get rattled uh, as far as uh, making stupid mistakes. However, his fundamentals go out the window whenever he's under pressure. You know, uh, if you go back and you watch the 49er game, a lot of the really great throws that Jay was making because he had all day to throw the ball. The, the 49ers really had no pass rush after that sack that they got early on, the the, the the offensive line was outstanding as far as the pass rush was concerned. And Jay had all day to throw the football. He was able to step into his throws. His fundamentals were awesome. If he gets under pressure, that's when you start seeing Jay throw the ball flat-footed or throwing the ball off his back foot, and the ball can get away from him when he does stuff like that. So if I'm the Jets, I'm trying to pressure Jay Cutler, not because he's going to do something and you know, make an errant throw, but his lack of fundamentals when he does get under pressure that way, when he's throwing off his back foot and kind of heaving it out there and trying to be the gunslinger and fit it into a small window that he can fit it into every time when he's able to step into his throws and be fundamentally sound. When you get him on his back foot, he's trying to fit it into the same window, throwing off his back foot or throwing flat-footed and just slinging it out there that's when the passes get away from him. That's when you see a lot of because uh, Jay likes to throw it up high because we have those tall receivers with the long arms. That's when you see those 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 passes that get finger into an oncoming DB's arms or you know and things like that. So. If I'm the Jets, that's what I'm trying to do in the passing game. Number one, I'm bearing down for the passing game. We're going to try to amp up the pass rush to get after Jay Cutler because the run offense for the Bears does not scare you. Even with an elite running back like Matt Forte back there and knowing full well that if Forte gets going, it's going to be a long night for you, you're going to take your chances because the offensive line is ineffective when it comes to blocking for the run but we are stellar at blocking for pass rushing so you're going to want to do whatever you can to chip away from that and eat at the strength that we do have on offense which is our passing game which is our quarterback especially when he has time and our outstanding receivers that were pro bowlers a year ago not to mention that we've got a walking tower at tight end as well that can eat up the seams and your secondary isn't as good as you would want it to be. you got a rookie safety that can probably be exploited. I mean, Calvin Pryor, he was actually number one on my list as far as the guys that I wanted um, in going into the draft, but he goes to the Jets at number 19. He's only 6 feet tall, and everybody that he'll be facing, except for maybe Santonio Holmes, who I think is like 5'11", 6 feet himself, but Jeffrey's 6'3", Marshall's – actually just Jeffrey's 6'4", Marshall's 6'3", Martellus Bennett's 6'6", 6'7", You know, that's what he's up against. I mean, even Josh Morgan is uh, 6'2", 6'3", as well. Very tall receivers going against this undersized uh, group in the the secondary of the Jets in the passing game. Uh, That's what we want to do. But like I said, stopping the run is going to be far more important than getting the running game going because the Jets are not explosive on offense uh, in the running game. Or, well, they they have potential to be with Chris Johnson, but this is not a team that's going to put up 50 points on us. This is not a team that's going to you know uh, that's gonna blow us out of the water uh, because they're scoring over and over again uh, and so on. This is not a team that's you know like uh, like maybe next week with the Packers. Now there's a team that you're going to want to definitely get the running game going against to give Aaron Rodgers and his offense as few opportunities as possible with the football. This team, however, with the Jets, they do not scare you on offense, so (laughs) there's not really that great worry or fear that they're gonna put points on the board every single time. It's more gonna be a clock management game with the Jets because they run the football so much, the clock will constantly be running, so you gotta make the most of your opportunities on offense when you have the football. And considering our weaknesses, on offense being in the running game passing is probably going to be a more uh you know heavy part of the of the game plan going into the game also because that's a weakness for for the jets Uh, so far this year the jets ranked at number 16 against the pass allowing over 220 yards uh game they are coming off i mean they played the raiders week one and Derek Carr didn't light up the world throwing the passes. However, Aaron Rodgers threw for 350 and you know two three touchdowns uh, against the Jets, and did most of that damage in the second half uh, against them. So potentially that's something that could be a huge problem uh, for the Jets. So that 220 yards a game is kind of misleading, especially when they're coming off an opponent throwing for 350 uh, against them. So uh, they are vulnerable. In the passing game, that was proven by the fact that Jordy Nelson alone had 209 yards against the Jets last week. So both teams on offense have to be salivating right now. The Jets watching the Bears struggle against the run have to be salivating with their number one rushing attack. The Bears, on the other hand, sitting there watching the secondary fumble about itself uh, on Sunday against Green Bay, thinking, you know, our guys are healthier this week than they were last week. We're going to tear these guys up in the passing game when the time comes. So, you know, however, going into it, you know, just to cover all the angles here, the running game may be a bit more successful on Monday because the Jets will most likely, because of their strengths in their run defense, lighten up a little bit on the run defense and bearing down for the pass defense means that there won't be as many, many guys in the box. The traffic probably won't be as heavy therefore allowing Matt Forte maybe a little bit more room in the running game to get things going. So a lot of angles to look at uh, for this uh, upcoming matchup. But in the end, the basics are, number one, we have to be uh, especially uh, proficient in the passing game this week because they're most likely going to struggle against this defense running the ball. So when we're out there and we're passing the offensive line that has been fantastic needs to continue to be fantastic cuz Rex Ryan has made his name in this league much like his father Buddy Ryan did on defense. He's a creative defensive thinker and I'm sure that as we speak he's trying to invent different ways to send the house at Jay Cutler when we drop back to pass. Because of those reasons that I just that I listed a few moments ago with how un, with how fundamentally unsound Jay Cutler can be when he's under pressure, not because he panics and makes stupid throws, but because he makes the right throw. I mean, because you even hear Tressman say it, all of his decisions were good. It was his fundamentals that were that were bad, because he made the right throw because Brandon was open when he threw the ball. However, because he was on his back foot or he threw it flat footed because he couldn't step into the throw. The throw got away from him, therefore it was picked off, or therefore he threw it over his head, he threw it behind him, that kind of thing. If I'm Rex Ryan, I want Jay Cutler throwing off his back foot every single time. I want Jay Cutler throwing flat-footed because he knows he can't step in to the throw because Sheldon Richardson will eat his face when he does that. That's the kind of stuff that I want Jay Cutler doing if and when he does throw the football because I know my front seven. Because they run a 3-4, and the 3-4 always gives the Bears problems as far as passing rushing is concerned. However, they handled it well against San Francisco. But, um, you know, because they have that 3-4, I'm secure in my front seven. I know my guys can get the job done in the passing game is where our concerns are. So when we want to get after Jay Cutler, forcing the bad throws and, uh, you know, hoping that we can get a turnover or two out of that. Because if you look at the Bears' two games, two games – they they statistically dominated buffalo double them up in just about everything except for the run and turnovers a week later they're the one that dominate in turnovers and they win the game so turnovers apparently is our kryptonite and our you know and our strength uh, in in the two games that we've had so the turnover battle will obviously be important uh, as well cuz when we lost the turnover battle Week one, we lost the game. When we won the turnover battle week two, we won the game. So, I mean, that's that's kind of, uh, you know, hand-in-hand in, hand in, in the league itself. It's very rare that's, that a team will lose the turnover battle and win the game, but, uh, you know, that's been more apparent for the Bears so far uh, this year. So that is how, uh, how I see things or how I preview them to be going uh, into this game. Uh, I think because of the run elements of the football game with the jets and how good they are at it. I don't anticipate this being a very high scoring game. Uh, I think that if it's somewhere in the area of what we saw last week in San Francisco, 28 to 20, actually I'm envisioning more of a 24 to 20 kind of game uh, with the bears coming out on top, just barely getting ready for a huge game the following Sunday against the green Bay Packers. So, Um, Looking forward uh, to the Bears winning the football game, Um, and I believe that that is what will happen. Uh, As we get out of here, just want to remind you guys, I will be on uh, WMT uh, once again, only it will be on Monday morning. Uh, Instead of, you know, usually we're on Monday morning, we'd be talking about the game from Sunday with the Bears playing on Monday. We decided to wait until Monday morning to do the quote-unquote preview segment, uh, if you will. Uh Doug's uh show is on a little earlier now. He's on the morning show from five to nine. He's gonna be having me on at eight thirty-eight Monday morning central time for all of you people not in the central area. So nine thirty-eight on the east coast, uh six thirty-eight out on the west coast, and for those of you who may be listening in that elusive mountain time zone, seven thirty-eight a.m. Uh, either go to 600.wmtradio.com, listen to the live stream, or you can hear it through the My iHeartRadio app. So I'll be on uh, Monday morning at 8.38 a.m. Not sure what time I'll be on again on Tuesday to talk about the fallout uh, from the game, but I'll keep you guys posted on the Facebook page as to when it is. I'll be on tuesday morning so um that's gonna do it for the week three preview episode of the chicago bears review we'll be back on tuesday to talk about this football game did we win how do we win if we lost how do we lose who's to blame how many people on that bear down list who am i angry with and so much much more so until then my name is larry d and this has been the chicago bears review